Hey, Yakshamash, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. Of course, brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. Make sure you guys check out Bucky's Fifth Quarter for all your Wisconsin Badgers news and notes and analysis. And if you guys haven't heard, just real quick, uh, some news today. Obviously, uh, check out Bucky's Fifth Quarter for this. Former Pitt running back Rashid Ibrahim. Uh, uh, announced his transfer to Wisconsin. Wisconsin confirmed that, so yet another tailback in the Wisconsin backfield. Uh, and we'll talk more about that later this week, probably on Facebook Live, uh, where I do a lot of my breakdowns. A lot of recruiting news, too. Make sure you guys check out Bucky's fifth quarter. There's a lot going on in the month of June. There may be some more, from what I'm hearing, uh, going forward for football recruiting. And uh, so, yeah, check out Bucky's fifth quarter and our Facebook page for that. But we're not going to talk about that for right now. We're going to say that for a different podcast or a different Facebook live event. What we're going to talk about tonight uh, is obviously we are a couple days away from the NBA draft, the 2017 NBA draft. And we also have, we're talking, uh, you know, Milwaukee Bucks because not only have, was there a possible leaked uh, logo of their G League team, uh, which I think looks pretty sweet, uh, in my personal opinion. But we also, uh, you're talking about a new general manager named, you're talking about uh, just a whole bunch of things coming up uh, to the trade deadline, in, in, in not the trade deadline, the NBA draft, and what could transpire during this offseason. And to help us today, uh, from the Lockdown Bucks podcast with uh, Brew Hoop founder, Frank Madden, uh, and also obviously from ESPN Wisconsin, we got Eric Name. Eric, how you doing tonight? And quite the whirlwind in June for the Milwaukee Bucks so far. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. I thought this was supposed to be the off season, but um, <laughs> apparently not. I, I guess that's not how it works with the NBA anymore. Uh, it's been a crazy couple of weeks. <clears throat> yeah, it has been, uh, and. And let's start with, before we get into the draft, some of the trade rumors that are swirling around. Um, there's been a little bit of uh, a little bit of controversy, I would guess. The Bucks naming a new general manager. And I don't, I don't think it's an indictment uh, necessarily on Horst. I, I think it's an indictment on maybe the process. Can you shed a little light on, on where you think the process, how, how it shook down and, and how they eventually settled on, on their GM? Sure. Um, I, I've done a bunch of reporting of it, uh, of kind of this process at ESPNWisconsin.com, so if you want to check out any of those stories. But, yeah, it, I, it's the process has been a mess. There, there's no doubt about it, and I, I was just talking to someone about this. I, I feel terrible for John Horst that as he's going through this process that he's kind of become the face of this decision, of this process. He's He's the guy that kind of becomes the the guy at the forefront for this, and I don't think it's through any wrongdoing of his own. He, there was nothing that he really did in this process. The Bucks ownership group just didn't really handle this all that well. John Hammond gets – they allowed John Hammond to interview, and then John Hammond goes out and signs with the Orlando Magic and heads out, and three weeks ago, all of a sudden, the GM in waiting that's supposed to be the next guy in line, that was supposed to be a part of the secession plan – uh, Justin Zanuck is not hired as GM, and they decide to open it up, and that goes on for a couple of weeks. They get 15 guys, 20 guys, whatever it may be, for the GM spot, and then all of a sudden that gets narrowed down to three, and then that narrow that three gets narrowed down to two, and it gets narrowed down to one, and Justin Zanuck is, is the lone survivor, and lo and behold, he's not the one they decide to make GM. They decide that 
there's something they don't necessarily like about him. There's something that they don't agree about with him. And none of that has really uh, come to the surface. We, we don't know what it is uh, about Justin Zenick that kept him from getting the job. And uh, in the introductory press conference yesterday, that was kept, uh, I mean, secretive and just kept away from the public. Uh, but I, I guess it's just kind of strange to see it all go down like this and, um, maybe some of the the concerns people might have had about having a, a three-headed owner is is kind of coming to the forefront here as uh, this was a process that was just kind of bungled and just not handled well. And, again, I like I said, I feel bad for John Horst that he's the one that has to kind of be the face of this all, but it, it was ugly. It was not a great process and it was not a good look for this team. Right, and, and on a future show, I'd like to talk to you about some thoughts about ownership and whether or not this is a, a long-term ownership or if they're going to kind of flip this team once they get going. But let's talk about Horst. Because, uh, again, you're right. He's caught up in a crossfire. But what are your impressions of him, and, and how do you think he fits with this organization, and what kind of a GM do you think he could be? Uh, I think John was a guy that was, and this was something Wes Edens had mentioned during the press conference yesterday, that he was someone that they saw being a future GM, a, a guy that could be a GM in the future, a guy that they trusted, a guy that they're happy to have on their staff. Was the future ready to be this year? Probably not. Um, he's still on the younger side. He's 34 years old. He's spent the last nine years in the Bucks organization. The second that John Hammond came over, uh, he took a job as director of basketball operations, and he served in that role for the last nine years. And he's probably a little bit on the younger side, but as we've learned more and more about him, we found out that he's pretty much been in the war room during drafts. Uh, he's been in the in the area as they're trying to talk through trades, as they're trying to figure out for agent signings. Like, he's been in the room for all of this for the last nine years. So this is a guy that's kind of seen head NBA decision-making made in front of him. This isn't a guy, though, that has made those decisions. And this isn't a guy that's been seen as the number two in an organization. Obviously, as for the last year, Justin Zanuck was kind of seen as the number two in Milwaukee. So this is a guy that hasn't got to be a part of, uh, he hasn't been the one making decisions and he hasn't been number two in line. Has he been a part of the Bucks making a number of decisions? I would say he has. Um, he, he's been a guy that's always active, always in the room. Um, a number of people I talked to around the league call him a salary cap expert. He was the guy in Milwaukee that kind of figured out how you got deals done, how you uh, figured out the numbers for a trade, how you made everything work according to the CBA. So this is a guy that has certainly had uh, a number of different front office experiences, but it is a guy that is is undoubtedly young and undoubtedly uh, a little bit green when it comes to lead decision-making. No, I, I agree with you there, Eric, and we're with uh, Eric Name from uh, ESPN Milwaukee. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit. Now, we want to talk about the draft, but things could happen before the draft, and there's some big names They've been talked about in some trade rumors. There have been a few smaller trades made today. I say smaller. Dwight Howard got moved, which tells you how how uh, non-relevant he's been in the grand scheme of things, although I think he's still a fine player. But we're talking about uh, potentially uh, Jimmy Butler getting dealt. 
We're talking about uh, uh, Paul George getting dealt. And then I heard some of those rumors have cooled with some of the GM turmoil that Cleveland has of their own. And we'll get more into that in a little bit. But do you expect any big-name players to be moved before the draft convenes on Thursday? Oh, man, I don't know if before. I guess I could say still before. If that happens on draft day or draft night, I think that would still be a part of uh, that before. I think this is going to be an active couple of days. This is... There's a lot of, I think there's a lot of teams, one, trying to figure out the mistakes they made last summer, because uh, as you look at the big cap jump, there was, I think it was roughly a billion dollars of free agent money to spend, uh-huh. uh, which is just a, a ludicrous amount. Um, so you saw a number of teams overspending and uh, extending themselves too far. So I think you're seeing, one, a number of teams trying to get out of those deals, and then, two, you're seeing a number of teams trying to figure out how the heck do we compete with this Golden State Warriors team? They, they got four all-stars. They're the best team in the league. They're one of the best teams I think anyone's ever seen. They're certainly one of the greatest collections of talent that anyone's ever seen. So with those two things driving all of this, I think we're going to see a lot of action. and I think we're going to see a lot of teams attempt to figure out how they compete in this league at this very moment. So um, I I wouldn't be surprised at all. And uh, you mentioned some of the names there, Butler, George. There were some rumors of Kristaps Porzingis from the Knicks earlier today as well. Dwight Howard just moved. D'Angelo Russell has already moved from the Lakers. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of teams moving around as they try to maybe correct some mistakes from the past and attempt to figure out how to compete going forward. So, the draft is, is on deck now, and, and in a familiar spot, the Philadelphia 76ers, after making a trade, have a chance to continue to get younger. Ironically, aside from maybe a stretch of maybe three to four weeks last year, they don't seem to be getting much better. Uh, but does this look like uh, Fultz is the guy? Is that, the, is that why Philly made this trade? Is that who you think they covered with the number one pick? I, I think so. I, I am of the belief that Markel Fultz is... I think he's on his own tier in this draft. I think there's a number of very talented players in this draft, but I think Fultz is is above guys like Ball and Tatum and Jackson and De'Aaron Fox. I, I think Fultz is the, the class of of this entire draft. So um, I would imagine that's the guy they're going after, and uh, he's a guy that I think makes a lot of sense in the modern NBA and going forward. Uh, as you look at uh, attacking point guards that – can score, can pass, can shoot, can do all these things. Markel Fultz is kind of that prototype. Um, and, and as you watch highlights of him, again, I think there's plenty of critiques that his Washington team did not do nearly good enough, didn't make the tournament, weren't able to find success this season as a team. But if you look at his individual talent, it, it's undeniable. And uh, I, I do think that he is uh, he stands alone in this draft among the rest of the players. Here with Eric Name here from ESPN Wisconsin, and as I've now calmed our my twins on my end, we're recording on a Tuesday evening, and they are now in bed, even though they are in the same room and yelling at each other. Uh, we are here with Eric Name from ESPN Wisconsin, and yeah, you know, the Bucks have the 17th and the 48th overall uh, picks in, in this year's draft. Uh, where do you see 
just you know, and obviously so many dominoes have to fall, so many pieces have to fall in place. Just what you know, for, maybe just looking at the first round pick. What do you feel uh, that the the Bucks can do with this pick? You know, with this pick, and, and where do you see them addressing particular needs? I think they're in a tough spot. Uh, not that the 17th pick is is a bad spot. Not that there won't be talented guys at 17. I think when you look at this draft, there's probably six or so point guard, shooting guard types um, in the top of the in the top lottery part of this draft. And if you're looking at the Bucks, I think that's probably their biggest need. They certainly have a number of talented players across the board, but point guard to me seems like the biggest weakness. Uh, so they would love, absolutely love, if they could get any of those guys at 17. But uh, so many of those guys have flown up draft boards, and there just isn't the same uh, demand for centers and for bigs as the league continues to get smaller and smaller. Like You have to be very versatile and be able to play those positions. So point guards are going sooner, and I think if you're the Bucks, you're you're sort of praying that, one of those guys fall. I know the guys on the lower end of that scale are probably Frank Nielakina. Uh He had been playing overseas, or maybe Donovan Mitchell, who is a sophomore at Louisville this year. I think you would hope that one of those two falls to you at 17, but ultimately to me that seems unlikely. And then from sort of the 15 to 25 range, it's just centers. It's centers, power forwards, uh, just it's it's bigs and the Bucks are a team that, that they they'll figure out if Greg Monroe is gonna pick up his player option tomorrow. They have Thon Maker, they have John Henson, they have Spencer Hawes who also has a player option. So they have bigs and maybe they don't need one going forward, uh, which just kind of makes this an awkward spot for them as they try to find a point guard help and shooting help. Those are the things they kind of find themselves in a zone where there's not a lot of that there for them to choose from. There's a lot of bigs, um, but it's just not something that would really, to me, fit their team all that well. Well, and, and let's talk about the bigs, though, because from all everything I've kind of read, you're right. It looks like it's going to be a center or a power forward. I'm going to give you three names. And okay. just pick the one that you think fits what the Bucks are trying to do, because I've heard... Uh, I've heard Justin Patton a, a, as a possible pick, although he could go a little bit higher from what I've heard. Jared Allen, the kid out of Texas, is another name that's, that's been bandied about as, as, as a potential. And, and the other one is uh, the kid out of Duke, Giles. So is there one that you would prefer if you had to pick from those three, um, or might they go somewhere else, and, and which one do you think has more upside to kind of fit with this young athletic team? I think I'll start with Jared Allen is the only one of those three that worked out with the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, he's the only one that came into Milwaukee for a workout. And when we talked with John Horst today, he said, well, if a guy doesn't work out with us, that makes it a little bit more difficult for us to, to select them. Um, again, I don't think that, 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 that will never stop a team. If they think a guy is the absolute best talent and he didn't work out for him, well, who cares? He's the best talent. We're going to draft him anyways. Um, but I do think that is important to note uh, that Jared Allen is the guy that worked out there. And uh, as as you look through all this, uh, Giles is fascinating to me just because he's very much of an unknown. He, he had the injury problems at Duke. 
and you're not 100% comfortable with what he's going to be going forward. And if John Hammond was making this selection, maybe I'd say, yeah. okay, that that's fine. Because Hammond is a guy that he took a lot of chances. There, there was times where this guy had boomer bust potential. You don't know a lot about him. Maybe he had a, a stranger background when, when you look at Bob Maker or even going further back to Brandon Jennings, a, a guy that didn't have the most traditional uh, year between uh, high school and the pros. So those are the kind of guys that Hammond kind of enjoyed. Um, but it, it's tough for me to know if, again, John Horst was John Hammond's right-hand man, so maybe he feels the exact same way, and maybe he's just as willing to take that swing at, at the fences. I don't know if that's the case. Um, to me, and this is probably more my personal preference over – uh, anything, any vibes that I've gotten from the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, to me, Jared Allen is the one that stands out. Uh, I, I just look at his length, 6'11", 7'5", wingspan, um, and I look at what he can do um, as far as the one thing the Bucks don't really do a ton of is uh, offensively, they don't run a ton of pick and rolls. They don't really have a guy uh, that can go up and catch, pick, and roll lobs. They, they can't go up and catch those alley-oops. And kind of the goal last offseason was, okay, let's sign Miles Plumley to this four-year, $52 million deal. Let's sign him to this, and then he's Giannis's pick-and-roll partner. And then all of a sudden we have a dynamic pick-and-roll. Well, it turned out that Miles Plumley was just Miles Plumley. He, he wasn't, he wasn't the guy that they were dreaming for him to be. And with that, it, there, there was kind of that gap again. The Bucks don't have that, that pick-and-roll threat. And the one thing I just really love about Jared Allen is he sets, those, he sets those picks and then he rolls hard down the lane. His catch radius is huge, huge. You can just throw the ball near the rim, and he's athletic enough to go up there and get it. There's certainly questions about strength. Can he handle that at the NBA level? Can he finish through contact at the NBA level? But with so much of what he does – that just seems like, to me, a great fit for the modern NBA. So, Eric, one one last draft question, and then we can talk about some of the Badgers in the draft and, and maybe uh, a free agent question here or there because I know we're, we're kind of running over on your time. But it's been a weird couple of days so far. Any chance, any likelihood that the Lakers don't draft Lonzo Ball? I would be shocked. I, I think it just makes too much sense. And... Uh, like I said, I think Fultz is that top guy, and then two, three, four, five. I don't really know if I feel confident in knowing any of those guys over the top, but I will say this. I loved watching UCLA basketball this year, and, and, and I can't say the same about Duke basketball, about Kansas basketball, or Kentucky basketball. And the reason I loved watching UCLA basketball was Lonzo Ball. Uh, the it's tough to describe what it is, but to me, it's always that thing that you just say is it. That kid just has it, and especially at the point guard position, a guy that moves the ball, a guy that sees the floor, that just makes his teammates better. To me, Lonzo Ball seems like pick, and especially now that they've traded D'Angelo Russell, it just seems like all signs are pointing to Ball being their guy. We're here with Eric Name here on ESPN, or from ESPN Wisconsin here on the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza, brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. And, you know, that's the one thing we wanted to talk about when it comes to the Badgers, too. You have, obviously, the four, you know, four starters 
uh, and Nigel Hayes, Bronson Koenig, Vito Brown, Zach Showalter, all exhausting their eligibility, are eligible for the draft. However, it really, I mean, in all four actually have been with the Bucks for workouts during from from May until you know this past week when Showalter got himself a tryout uh, in terms of the draft workout uh, with the Bucks, but. When it comes to, you know, let's focus in on, on Hayes and Kenny because those may be the two that really are have the, the shot at playing in the NBA. Not necessarily, I don't know if they're uh, necessarily uh, would, will be drafted, uh, but what do you see maybe starting with, with Hayes? Uh, and obviously after the, you know, we had Frank Kaminsky, Sam Deck, after his sophomore campaign, uh, you know, maybe you didn't necessarily see him blossom into that. Uh, the full-time score, but he was still, like, especially last season, a huge presence uh, and, and showed his leadership later in the in the game, you know, and later in the season uh, and what he could bring. Just what what do you see out of his game, and how, how does it, how could it translate to the NBA game, and maybe who could be a good fit, not necessarily even just in the draft, but just, you know, in free agency as an undrafted free agent trying to latch onto a team? I am aware that I'm very much in the minority on both of these players and on both these opinions, but um, I see Hayes and Koenig as, as two guys that might might be lifers in the NBA, um, just because when I look at Nigel Hayes, I see a guy that has the length and size to handle covering fours in the NBA, um, and I also see that he has the quickness that maybe he can bump down a position and cover some threes as well. Um, and if you run a really switch-happy defense, again, this is where I'm really in the minority. I think he does have the speed and quickness to cover twos as well. And um, I just think in the modern-day NBA, versatile, versatility is just so big. Like you have to be versatile. You have to be able to defend a number of positions. You have to be able to make some plays. You have to be able to make shots. You have to be able to score. You have to be able to do so many different things that as the number one guy in college, maybe all of those things didn't get a chance to shine through for Nigel Hayes. But if you move him into more of a role player, like you saw in his sophomore year where he was he projected top 20 in that draft. Uh, again, he decided not to go, but that's where he was projected, and he was playing that role. He, he was doing those things. So I understand the, the shot has regressed a little bit from Nigel Hayes as he kind of changed up his shooting motion and tried to speed it up to get it ready for the NBA. And, uh, it obviously did not really work out, but there's just part of me that wonders if in the last two or three weeks maybe there was a workout where he just shot the ball well, and that convinces a team to draft him. Um, and if not, I, I just think with the versatility necessary in the modern-day NBA, I, I think it would be crazy to, to see teams pass up on him for summer league teams. And, and I think if he gets a chance in the summer league, that's a guy that can convince someone that he should be one of their 15 guys. And with the expansion of the, the, of the G League as we go forward, uh, there's more rostered spots. There's the two-way spots where you can move them between your your NBA roster and your D-League roster. I, I just think he's the type of guy with that versatility, with the kind of alpha dog status that he's had as well. Like That's a guy that's not scared of the moment. That's a guy that can step into a role, and that's a guy that can just play for you. You can put him on the floor, and you don't have to be worried about him. Um, and that for really for bench guys, that's the big thing in the NBA. Can you defend multiple positions, and can we put you on the floor, and uh, you don't turn the ball over as soon as you get in? 
Now, Eric, I, I, we do appreciate your time. I, I'd like to have you on uh, shortly, you know, maybe a week or two after the draft because I want to talk about free agency. I want to see where the Bucks play. And I'm going to plant a little seed in your mind. I have a theory that Dan Gilbert is power playing a way to get LeBron James out of Cleveland. You can comment on it now, or we can save it for our, for our, our next visit. Let's save that for I want to I want to let that one cook a little bit. Let's keep it in the oven. All right. <laughs> I, I don't know if it, I don't know if it's quite hot enough yet. I want that take to get a little bit hotter, and then then we'll have something to talk about. Sounds good. All right, we're gonna put that in the the, the pressure cooker in the in the crock pot, <laughs> let that stew a little bit, and, and uh, see where how it simmers there. Uh, real last thing for me, Eric, real quick. Just uh, we talked about uh, Nigel Hayes, and I agree with you. I think he can stick in the league. I think he has the the, the potential and the ability to do so. Bronson Koenig, I I like what he can bring to team and and I think that he has the the shot and I think he has the abil- he has the ability to stick. Uh your thoughts on Bronson Koenig and his chances in the NBA? He's going to be interesting because I think NBA teams are going to be fighting over him to be on their summer league roster because when you're putting together that summer league roster, you want a guy that is sure-handed, doesn't turn the ball over, which I mean if you play for Wisconsin, that's those are kind of the rules. That, that's what you have to do as a point guard. And you're looking for guys that can knock down shots. And we've seen again and again that Bronson Koenig can knock down shots. So I, I think he's kind of the, the perfect type of guy to run a summer league team. And I think a number of times in the last couple of years we've seen guys impress in summer league and then maybe they don't catch on in that first year um, or maybe they don't catch on in that first month. But as time goes on, either they're in the D league or they're around and, teams understand that, okay, this guy can, can come be our backup point guard. He'll take care of the ball. He'll make shots, and everything will be fine. But, obviously, in, the, in some of those same scenarios, we've seen Badgers point guards in the past go to Europe and go overseas and kind of dominate over there because they can do those exact same things. And uh, in basketball overseas, those things are, are very highly valued. So um, I think he's going to end up having an interesting decision. Either he can make a little bit more money going overseas, or maybe he can try to hang on and carve out a, a little niche NBA career here. Eric, man, it's always great having you on. Uh, make, obviously, make sure to check out ESPNWisconsin.com and, and check out all your coverage, Lockdown Bucks. Uh, podcast with you and, and Frank Miller, uh, Frank Madden, I should say. Uh, and thanks again, man. And we'd love to have you on in the next uh, few weeks. Talk more free agency and uh, re- resurface Scotty's point about the Cleveland Cavaliers, and which could be a power shift in 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 the Eastern Conference again. I can't wait. If the last forty-eight hours have been any indication, it is only going to get crazier from here. Woad, yeah, and, you know, so see how many more Woj bombs we can take. I've I, I tried doing a drinking game once where you know try to take a shot every time a Woj bomb happens, and it, it didn't end well. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah. But Eric, thanks again so much, guys. It's, this has been the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza uh, for Scott Wiz Newspeak and Jake Bukowski. We'll catch you guys next week uh, talking more. And make sure you guys check out Bucket Suit Quarter for more recruiting news uh, on our Facebook Live later this week. Yes, take care.